My name's Sarah Frick, and you're listening to Are You For Real? A podcast all about being real. Like, really real, not just cute Instagram real. Like, real. Welcome back to Are You For Real? with Sarah Frick. Today, I am sitting down with Carter, who many of you know. Carter is a great friend of mine. She also does all the marketing and PR for The Works, our studio. And today, Carter is going to be asking me a bunch of questions, some of the things that she pulled, maybe some questions you guys had, some stuff maybe she thought would be interesting. So we're just going to see where this uh, where this thing goes. And uh, yeah, welcome, Carter. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to um, interview you and turn the tables. Turn those tables. So I think a good question to start with is what is your are you for real moment? Oh, Carter. I know you probably <laughs> you probably have a few, but. Um, I mean, I have a lot of are you for real moments. Maybe what's your are you for real moment during this pandemic? Um, so not to sound like I live in a bubble, but I think we all live in our bubble. Ultimately, let's be real. I think when we had to close our doors, I remember Carter and I talking and I was like, I've never the, like, we don't live in a city. We live in Charleston, South Carolina. We don't live in a city where we usually have like weather. Like we don't have snowstorms really. If we get a rainstorm or a hurricane, sometimes they shut the bridges down, but we don't usually close our business. Um, and when originally we heard that, you know, people were closing businesses, I just, I don't think like it hit me. I didn't really register with me. And, um, so we started to limit our class size so we can fit 55 people in one studio and 48 in the other. And so I was like, okay, let's put 50 in. (laughs) Everyone was like, uh, no. (laughs) So we started to really limit the class sizes. Um, and then one of my teachers called me and who I love and respect so much. And she was supposed to be teaching a class that day. And she was like, can you talk? And I, I like immediately, I was like, you don't want to teach anymore. And she's like, I really don't feel comfortable. And that's when I think it first hit me. I was like, oh, this is like really happening. Um, and so we ended up closing our, I taught two Tuesday morning classes on March 17th. I think that's St. Patrick's Day. And mm-hmm. then we have been closed ever since. And that for me... That was like the first moment of like, okay, this is happening. I don't, we don't have any control over it. I don't have any answers. Um, And then I think also as a small business owner, you know, really, and most of the people, most of my staff are gig employees. So they're 1099, not employees, they're, they're gig workers. So they're all on 1099. And that was a big concern as well, just because a lot of people do have children, they make their livelihoods here and how was unemployment going to work? So kind of navigating all that, which they were able to then receive. But on the other end of that, being a small business owner, trying to get my loans, um, because I don't have employees, I'm not really eligible for anything. So that kind of hit me all yesterday. Actually, I was just, some of my friends were like, yeah, I'm, you know, my PPP and my small business loan, my SBA loan is coming through. And I was like, well, shit, like, (laughs) where's mine? You know? Um, so yeah, those are some pretty big moments for me, just speaking to the business. Yes. Do you think having a glass of wine a day is bad? Uh, no. <laughs> now let me just, let me just speak to this because I do have a lot of friends, clients, dear friends that have don't drink alcohol. If you do not have a problem with alcohol. I personally do not. And I always say this, I am not a doctor. I am not a drug and alcohol counselor. A question I say to myself, is it controlling me or am I controlling right. it? And that is something I use across the board. I use it with food. I use it with exercise. I use it, I've used it with love, you know. Um, so if it for, you know, is a way to come down off of a high intense stress day, 
and you're, I personally don't think it's bad. Um, but you know, I think for each their own, I think, are there other tools? Yes. Right. Yes. But to the, to this to person this question, asking, to this you question, are okay. Yes. I'm not going to try to be PC about this whole thing. Do I personally think it's bad? No. No. This is about asking you questions and you being real about it. Okay. So nobody be offended. I'm sorry. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, okay. Let's go into maybe a little bit okay, harder question. Here we go. Let, um, can we talk about marriage, partnership, everything in between? Um, you're married to an entrepreneur. You're a strong female entrepreneur. What does that look like? How is that? <laughs> Funny. Funny you should ask. <laughs> well, um, cause we're all, you know, everyone's dealing with things right. in their marriage and their relationships. And I think that opening up about it can. Yeah. Um, definitely. So John and I are very different people. John is a contractor, um, and he builds, um, nice big custom homes and does high end renovations and his business really has not stopped. Um, so he, like the first few weeks, I was like, I don't know if John knows what's going on in the world. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, hi, we no longer have childcare. I'm still trying to operate some sort Help of business. Yeah. And he's like, man, I gotta go to work. I'm like, okay. So, um, the, you know, the negotiable, the negotiables for me as not only a business person, but also a mother of three young children has turn the table a little bit. Um, I've always been perfectly honest about this. I respect and admire stay at home moms so much. And I don't think you know what kind of a mom you're going to be until you actually have children. Cause I remember thinking like, I'm going to be like this way and this way. And then I had, you know, Waylon and I was like, Oh no, I'm not thinking uh, that's not who I am at all actually. <laughs> um, and so be for me, the, the hardest job I've ever had. And I don't say this lightly is being a mother. Um, I thrive off of human connection. I thrive off of people. I thrive off of the work that I do. And so to be home with the kids all day has put a a little bit of a toll on my, on my sanity. Um, (laughs) and so John and I have definitely come up against each other a, a little bit more than usual. And this week has been, this week has been our Mecca. So funny I ask. So funny you ask. John and I got in a, a little argument on Tuesday, and then we didn't speak for 35 hours. Not a word. You're not alone out there. Not a word. <laughs> Who's going to speak first? Um, and I actually think it was maybe a text that Carter sent both of us, and we both had to respond. Yep. <laughs> Thanks, Carter. You're welcome. I got you. <laughs> but you know, this is the thing, you guys, and I, I say this, um, I've, I've been thinking about this a lot, like everyone's like, is this right? Is this right? Is this wrong in this situation that we're in? And the thing is like the rules that we've always used before can't be applied to this. Like this is, this is a new fucking situation. Like same rules do not apply. Right. Whether it's, you know, any of your stuff, I I believe like, so I'm just, I'm really, and I, and I say this often, but I'm, I really am trying to not only give myself grace, but everyone else. Usually the shit about John that I would be like, I'm a grudge holder. John's hot and fast. He runs hot. He gets it out. He gets mad. He's moving on. He's ready to go have fun. I'm like, I'm still thinking about that thing that happened in 2015. You know what I mean? (laughs) And what I'm learning is about myself with this time, with this pause is like, how that's not working for anybody. So like he's, whether he like shows the same type of anxiety I have or not. And I joke that he didn't know it was happening for three weeks. Of course he knew. Like, you know, we're all aware of what's going on. So I think giving abundant grace and like, I got to sit home with this guy. Like, there's no point in me holding these grudges anymore. Let's just like be like, all right, I love you. Let's move forward. 
Um, how do you... Carter Walter's here. <laughs> Carter Walter's <laughs> here to interview you. How do you make time for yourself? You give so much every day to others. Well, well yeah, you do, even right now, because your kids, I was about to say not as much right now, but probably more. Mm-hmm. Um, do you ever take time for yourself? And if so, how do you do that? Um, yes, I do. But you're I, not really ever alone, so. I'm not really ever alone. Um, you know what I actually, I do, um, I like to, I like to take naps. I do. True. I don't think that's lazy. I really do. I, <clears throat> I'll time my day. Like if I have, I, I'm a morning person, so I'll do a lot of stuff in the morning. And let's just say, like, say right now my, the kids are all at home. So Waylon can take a school break and the twins usually nap about one. And I will literally like go get in my room and it's like the only way I can turn off because I'm kind of a two-speed person. I'm on or I'm off. And it's like I'm not a great sleeper at night. So if I need a nap, I don't feel bad about it. It's a way for me to recharge, to reset, and just to chill out. Um, in real lifetime, um, I do like to every once in a while get a facial. Um, I like to go out with my friends that really recharges me just to be able just to be myself, not be Sarah, the fitness person or Sarah, the mom, or even Sarah, the wife, just to go out with my girlfriends and like cut up. Cause I'm gonna tell you what, my <laughs> friends think I'm a lot funnier than John does. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Those are all good ways to recharge. Um, and I don't think it's lazy to take naps cause you don't sleep any and I during had, the night. I had a therapist, uh, John and I's couples counselor told us, she was like, Y'all don't need drugs. You need to take a fucking nap. Right. And as <laughs> when we did that human design thing, they said yeah. projectors, it's okay if you need to go take an hour nap or yes. whatever. So working in two hour increments. So as my boss, um, I'm gonna <laughs> start taking more naps. You should. FYI. Yeah. All right. Did you see yourself getting to where you are now? Did you manifest it? Um, or did you work your fucking ass yeah. off? <laughs> but do you believe in do you believe in manifesting and that actually if you manifest it it will come true or do you trust the timing of your life? You know, kind of like what's your stance on that? Um, I am a I'm a big believer is in where energy goes, energy grows, right? So mm-hmm. call I guess you could call it manifestation. Do I believe to write something on a post-it and repeat it to myself every day and then not put the action behind it that it's going to happen. No. Right. I, per, and this is like personally how it works for me. Like I, I, I am a hustler. Yeah. And, um, you know, like I left my old studio. I wasn't going to lag time, wait for another studio to open. I was freaking teaching sold out classes in my driveway. And then we took it to this place called the Island Club, which was nasty. It was, <laughs> I mean, it was definitely patient zero. <laughs> it started there. I mean, Sarah says she's going to do something and it's like, Carter's like, slow down. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. She's like, okay, we're going to do this. And then yeah. all of a sudden it's but so, see, but so I think, but d- were you I thinking s- of that like long before or, you know, I've, I, I love fitness and I had been watching the trends of boutique fitness for right. a while. And I knew that the studio I was at before, which is an amazing studio, it's Charleston Power Yoga. Many of you know, I'm not trying to be like cryptic. Um, it's a yoga studio. And I knew I wanted to be a boutique like fitness experience. And with that usually comes like the face of the studio. And I denied that of myself for a long time because I thought it sounded like I was really full of myself. And I had this whole fucking story around it, which is like, you know, why am I getting in my own way? Because... And, you know, within the first year we've been open, we've really, it has exceeded my expectations. Um, and, you know, just to be totally honest, because why would we not be, we should be proud of our work, like on a fiscal scale as well. Like 
my accountant is like, you're a unicorn. Um, and it's not me, but it's like you, Carter. And like the people that work here believe in what we're doing and we don't stop. I mean, we work all the damn time, but we love it. Right. Um, and I really do believe that. And I think too, like it's fun. So fun. Like we get to go to, we go to Mexico, we go to St. Kitts, we go to New York and that might look like really sexy, but we are working the whole time. But one thing is I never want to be one of those people that's like, oh my God, I had to travel for work. And it was just like, people don't know how hard I'm working. Cause you know what you guys, I am working hard, but like, I'm also enjoying it. And it's, if I'm not enjoying it, it's not worth it. Right. It's exhausting, but every minute of it is fun. So, yes. so do I call that manifestation? I don't know. Did I have an idea of what I wanted? Yes, yes. absolutely. I and feel did like I it's... take the steps to get there, but I have a good team. I really do. Well, you know how to put the people in the place for things that you don't know how to do. Yeah. And like I don't it's micromanage. Not your skills, yeah. And you don't micromanage. Oh my gosh. Let me say this to anybody who's starting a business. If you have to micromanage someone, they're not your person, A. B, give them a chance to freaking breathe because nothing is more stressful. Have you ever been in like a relationship with someone who is like on your ass about everything you do? You're going to like be like, did I do it right? Did I do it wrong? Like people can't thrive in that. And then you're just chasing your own tail. It's counterproductive. Stupid. <laughs> Stop being stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you see yourself in 10 years? Mm. Super sweaty. Yeah, I don't really know. I mean, I'll be f- almost 50. <laughs> Weird. Wow. Yeah, you're so young, Carter. I'll be huh? almost 40. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, I don't know. That's probably part of that like hustle mentality, which some people agree with, some people don't. I don't have a big project in- projection for 10 years. I hope my kids are sleeping. Same for yeah. everyone's sanity. <laughs> yeah. I'll have 13-year-old twins and a 16-year-old. So, yeah. Um, well, speaking to not sleeping, are you ever tired? Someone must have asked this because I did not write this one. Um, are you ever tired and how do you teach when you're having a bad day? Um, but I've, and I like have seen this. I'll see you, you're tired and you're having a bad day and you walk in the room and then it's like, mm-hmm. it's this different Sarah. But how, how do you change? Because you have to be professional. But that, also when you get in there, do you feel yes, a better? Yes, like, definitely. Do you already feel but better? But I think that's a big misconception. Like I'm not saying this industry is, and what I do, I believe it 100% from my heart and it's real. And I personally know when I'm on fire and I feel great and I'm teaching a freaking bomb class and I know when I'm in there working. And sometimes you got to work, you know? I mean, and, and so for me to flip the switch, I actually always feel better after I teach. Um, and yes, I am tired a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of the time I'm tired. Um, and I probably rely on caffeine too much, but you know, it's working. It's, yeah. And like who the it's, hell, and I think all people are tired, but I don't know a damn single mom that's not tired. If you're not tired, I don't want to know. <laughs> and yes, like some days I'm like, you know, I think people that are really close to me, like you and a few of our clients, like they know when I have a class that's a little off. But for the most part, like I came to do a job and I've got people who are paying for a service and it is my job to step out of my own way and to show up for them. Yeah. I feel like it would be so hard, but you always somehow mm-hmm. flip the switch. I drink tequila before class. Right. Just yeah. kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> we said we're getting real. Don't yeah. judge us and don't unsubscribe, please. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you could drive one thing home in your class every time, what would it be? There might not be one thing that you always, I mean, it might change time to time, but how do you want people to feel when they leave? Everywhere you go, there you are. You drive that home. So you're doing a good job. Because it's like, I think we can put on the fancy yoga clothes and we can come do the fitness and walk out with the six pack. But if you walk out of here and you are miserable or you are 
not contributing to the world in some sort of a positive way or making someone laugh or making them laugh yourself. Or if you're using exercise, you know, as a way to beat the shit out of yourself and all these different things, it's not working. Um, so think about that. Like you're not just happy on the mat. You know, we have to take this practice with us. It's a higher vibration than literally just a 60 minute class. Let's talk a little bit more about, you know, if you are just here for the physical and, um, beat yourself up, or maybe you have an addiction to exercise and what are your thoughts on body image and loving yourself and, um, fitness addiction. And if you're struggling with that, what should you do? Okay. So that's like something that is it I, something you've ever had to deal oh, with. Yeah. I mean, body, listen, I, I think for the most part, I'm not going to speak for every single person for the most part, the women you see in fitness industries got into a fitness industry because of something personal. Um, so what usually attracts a lot of people to a class is the first thing is the fitness. It's the obvious, right? To get in shape. So a lot of people that are driven into classes are there to get fit. And then something touches your heart and it changes you. And you decide, I want to share this. And I know for me, that was a, that was a personal experience. Mm -hmm. So just to break it down, do I like, is the words, I don't know if I'd use the word struggle, maybe struggle with, I don't want to be like weird about words, but is body image something that's still in my life? Absolutely. But here's the difference from where I used to be to where I am. And I've talked to Carter and I've talked about this at length. Like I used to get on a scale every day. And if that scale was up one pound, it would ruin my day. It's all I would think about. I would think about what I was going to eat, how much I was going to sweat. I'd even be careful about my water intake. I can't even imagine you like this. I know it was, it really controlled my life. But the thing was, and I'll just it was like, it was after I had the twins, I had postpartum depression. I was trying to control something and like thing. that. And I, cause I had done food restriction before in the past, just growing up or whatever, just times I'd wanted to be thin and whatever. And it came, that was the last time it came back really, really strong. And, um, like I look at pictures of myself from then. I didn't remember doing a photo shoot and I was so, so thin. And I literally had ba like twin babies six months prior and that is not normal and that is not healthy. And I portrayed it like, oh, I just, this weight's just falling off. Well, your weight's not falling off when you eat 300 calories a day. And you, I would be <laughs> up at four o'clock in the morning doing these like Billy Blank style freaking crazy workouts um, just so I could get a workout in like three times a day. So I, it used to totally control me. And now, like, do I notice? I've put some weight on during this experience this social isolation thing or social distancing thing. And I'm this like, thing. I'm like, there it is. Yes. I've put weight on. There it is. Okay. So now what? Nothing. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, do I feel better when I'm healthy and fit and I eat right? Yes. Do I also like to stick a fork and cheesecake and drink red wine sometimes? Yeah. And I know I'm so much happier now than I was when I was watching every morsel that went in my mouth. I was getting on the scale and like, the thing, like John, my husband, he never was like, you know, gosh, you look so skinny, you know, or now he's not like, gosh, you look so fluffy. Like it's, it was so in my own way and it was not serving me and it wasn't serving my purpose. And when I dropped that addiction is when I created the works. Okay. But how did you drop that addiction? Um, cause I think for people that are struggling with something like this or an actual, whatever the addiction is, it's like, how, how did you, I, was I mean, so sick of feeling like shit. I was yeah. so sick of like literally getting up, getting on the scale, looking at the scale, hating the number. If like that it was, was your whole day. Two. 
yeah, or I would get on the scale first thing in the morning before you put anything in your mouth. And then I would get on the scale after I like had a crazy sweat. Like it was literally controlling my life. And I was going into these rooms and serving up things that weren't a hundred percent true. And when I like, I, I really just got sick of my own shit. And I think, I think it's Elizabeth Gilbert who made, who said that quote and I want to find it, but she said, you know, the people that she just said something about like, when you finally make a shift in your life, it's because you usually people just really get sick of their own shit. Yeah. And I really did. It was like stupid. Like I remember like I wouldn't enjoy having a glass of wine then. Like I wouldn't do, you know, it was very regimented and that's like, you're not having fun doing anything. No. Right. Except like, you sound like you'd be awful to be around in the mirror (laughs) by yourself. But, but that's also the thing for me is that there was something behind it. It wasn't so much about that. It was the control thing. And I've and I'm very open about this. I got on Lexapro too to help with the postpartum depression, and that helped me a lot as well with the control and the anxiety. And you know, I think it's the more we do something, the more we do something. So I did that, and then I made a conscious effort not to do that. Do I don't step on scales. Um, the last time I tried to step on a scale was a glass scale of John's and I put it in my trunk cause I was going to bring it to the studio cause Carter and I were doing some t- stupid cleanse. I can't even s- believe we're sharing this. It's well, very embarrassing, but I mean, we're here, real. Let's here's be how, real. Here's how it plays out. Yeah. The fucking scale falls out of the back of my car and it's glass <laughs> and it shatters into like, think about four bottles of wine fought like slammed into the ground. John's like, John's like, where's my scale? <laughs> it's like, we're done with the scale. <laughs> so I think that was like an intervention from above. Um, I don't know if that's helpful, but I think if you, I, I, and I can't speak to, I know there are some people that suffer with these tendencies and eating disorders or disordered eating, whatever, you, however you want to refer to it for a really, really long time. And my, my hope is that you can love yourself enough without saying that cheesy, but that you know, it ultimately that those kind of things, they break you down, they kill you. Like think about what you're doing to your insides versus what the outside looks like. And it's just, it's heartbreaking. And I know that there are really some amazing counselors out there that are a lot more proficient and knowledgeable than I am. So, um, how do you cope with grief? You've had a lot of hard times in your life and it seems, you know, like now you're in a really good place and how have you gotten to this place? Mm-hmm. I just like, I can't even, when I, when we talk about it, I even tear up. It's like, I can't imagine losing my mom and mm-hmm. I don't know how you do that. And then you, losing grace and it's just, yeah. but you seem so stable through it all. Um, I am not stable. <laughs> I'm extremely <laughs> unstable. No, I'm actually quite stable. This is free PR. No. <laughs> yes, right. She is very stable. I am very stable. Um, I think, no, I know for me, um, you, you have to face it. Yeah. Um, and anything we do more of, we get, I don't better at, like, you know, I lost my mom, I lost Grace, and then I lost Kay, my stepmom who had been in my life since I was four, who was a mom right. to me as well. Um, and so, you know, I remember when I lost my mom, my husband, John lost his mother as well when he was young. And I was like, when will this just, when is this going to get better? And he was like, you don't, it, he said, it does. He, I said, when does it go away? And he said, it doesn't go away. You get used to it. And I think you just have to constantly check in and deal with it. I remember this year, on my mom's birthday, I like, it was really fucking hard for me. And Mm -hmm. I've had, I honestly have flown through her anniversaries and her birthdays before and been like, oh shit, it's my mom's birthday. But I had been with my dad, my dad's birthday's March 8th and my mom's is March 11th. And my dad came in town for the wine and food festival 
and we got to spend time together. And like, my dad is like so precious to me. He's like a massive love. He's a love. Like I literally could curl. I'm a massive woman, (laughs) but I could like curl up in my dad's lap and be like, he's just, and like, I, he, the way that my dad, like this makes me cry. Like the way that my dad loves me. It's like, I hope I can give instill that same love and confidence in my own children. Like Mm -hmm. every day my dad's like, you're a superstar. You could be the president. (laughs) John's like, your dad has made you impossible to love. (laughs) I'm like, nobody loves me like my dad. Um, I think, you know, the thing about grief is you can't put a, you can't like put a time on it with grace. That was the absolute hardest thing because it's not like natural, you know, for your children to die before you. And I think it was so shocking. And I think about people that have lost children at older ages and especially like what our world's going through right now. And I mean, there is a lot of grief and I don't think grief is bad, um, but you can't run from it. Yeah. And I think you have to sit with it and not be like, okay, I, I'm, I'm allowed to be sad for the, these stages and I'm only allowed to be sad for two months and then I got to move on. I know, but how do you get yourself back? Like when do you, I mean, I feel like when do you, I haven't lost anyone fortunately and I feel super grateful. I mean, I've lost friends and you know, but no one, no family members. You have to start doing your old age. I think it's too, it's you have to will yourself and just get up every day. I would get up. I'm like, all right, what makes me feel good? Working out made me feel good. I would work out. I would literally like clean up my house. So it was a fresh space. Even if I worked out and cleaned my house and sat in this house and just sobbed all day. I but also, at least you weren't just like sitting in a nasty no, house, I, making yourself more depressed. No. And I would do the things I, I literally, I would talk to friends all the time. I reached out to, I mean, I support groups, so many people that were there and, um, just shared like, I mean, just call people and cry and they would cry with you. And, you know, like, I think you can't be, you can't worry about making other people uncomfortable because you're fucking uncomfortable too. Yeah. And that's really what got me through it is like just being real about it and just keep doing the thing. And then some days it hits you like a freaking ton of bricks and you handle it and you sit with it and you cry with it and you lay in bed. And then the next day you get up and you go back to your life. Another thing that my wise husband said to me, (laughs) you know, when we lost grace, and I think I've said this on here before, but he was like, you know, when grace died, you didn't you didn't jump off the bridge that day. So you have to keep living your life every day and not keep asking why me, why me, why me? Right. Cause says, it happens to, yeah, he said, everyone. why not it's life? You? Why not you? Right. Um, and you know, that's, that was really it. I, I don't have like a beautiful, perfect textbook answer. I think it's just getting up every day, putting your feet on the ground, doing what you can do, crying when you need to cry and being honest about it. Where shall we go next? Okay. We'll, we'll get into some more lighthearted ones, but first, I would like to learn a little bit more about childbirth. Hmm. Tell me, because uh, <laughs> it was really interesting when we interviewed, or when you interviewed the girls about childbirth, Mary mm-hmm. Welch, and I can't remember who else you had, Mariah. So let's hear a little bit about your birth story. My personal? <laughs> or not your, your personal my, I think birth my story. My dad actually did tell my birth story. Maybe the on twins. That podcast. Um, ugh. Okay. Let me, or was like Waylon, was it easy? Waylon's was sweet. The twins right. was like fucking stressful. Okay. I'm just very curious about childbirth right now. Okay. Not that I'm pregnant. But. We know, every day Carter's like, I'm like, about baby. But I'm not pregnant. I'm like, I don't, I don't care. If you go. I'm like, she thinks I'm like peering in with watching her and Foxy every night. <laughs> We've got things to do, Carter. <laughs> um, so... 
for Waylon, um, I had gone, I was like 37 weeks. And I, this is like, I don't know, kind of probably really bad, but I'm just going to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) So because everybody's alive and safe, let me go ahead and say this. I do not suggest anyone does this, okay? This is what a psychopath I am, okay? Mm -hmm. So... Waylon was like, I was 37 weeks and they, I had high blood pressure, but I was also like so stressed out the whole time I was pregnant. Cause of course I had lost grace and then we had a miscarriage, you know, well, we had to terminate a pregnancy and then I almost miscarried Waylon. And well, they told me when I did my IVF with Waylon that, um, I went in for his first ultrasound and they didn't, couldn't find a heartbeat. So this was at like six and a half weeks because they do ultrasounds really early with IVF because, um, with IVF, they release you to your doctor, I believe at 10 weeks, but the deal with IVF is, and I'm there, everything's a business is fertility is a huge, huge business, but they get their stats. They only follow you until 10 weeks. So they want to make sure they have a heartbeat before you leave, because that puts another percentage on their, their stats. And that's how they get clients. And these clients kind are of screwed up, but I guess it's, I mean, sense. but it makes sense. You yeah. know, your people like me who were interviewing doctors were looking at those stats. So they start to do it first. So they, I go in and, you know, we had been through so much and we were like, okay, this is it. This is our baby. And they were like, the doctor was like, you don't have, there's no heartbeat. Um, and I was like, it's so, I just kept thinking, God, it's so early. Like what if the baby implanted late? Like all this stuff. He's like, so I just want to go ahead and prep you that we're going to, you're going to, so this is like a third, a Wednesday. And he was like, you're going to have to wait to come back until next Tuesday. But when you come back, you need to be prepared to have a DNC. <clears throat> so my stepmom, Kay, who lived in Boston, flew in because um, she had been with me for my first DNC. And I mean, I was just so upset. I remember a few friends coming over. I was like, I just wanted to drink wine and eat pizza. I was like, screw it. I was like, I'm so done with this. I cannot forget. I've been doing fertility forever. I was like, I'm done. So that weekend, Kay came in town. We picked her up from the airport. I was like, I want to go out to a boozy brunch. <laughs> so we went to Red Drum, and she was like, are you sure? I'm like, yes, I'm sure. I am so done. I'm not living my life anymore. I want to. I, I just got to get this off the table for a while. I just want to live. And it felt like that was like my way of being rebellious. I'm not saying it was the most responsible thing to do, okay? Waylon, for the most part, is fine. Let's all remember that as I tell this story. I do not condone getting drunk and pregnant, okay? But I was told, you're having a DNC. So Tuesday rolls around. Kay and I, oh, we'd also like, I'd gone to hot workouts because I hadn't been working out in the heat on purpose. Um, and you just really let, let I it, really was like, let it go. Fuck it. Like, <laughs> fuck it, fuck it, fuck it. Kay and I roll in. I'm ready for my DNC. They have to, you have to do an ultrasound legally before you do a DNC. And he's like, oh, there's the heartbeat. I was like, I'm sorry, sir, what? I was like, I've been drinking. (laughs) A lot. All weekend. I maybe even like smoked a cigarette, which to me is like the ultimate rebellion because I hate cigarettes. But I was like, I don't care. Give me a cigarette. (laughs) Like I like cough through the whole thing. (laughs) Um, And yeah, there was Waylon and he's fine. He's fine. So again, that's that. That's just me being totally honest. And then after that, I had high blood pressure with him. At 37 weeks, they were like, you just, you know, need to relax and chill. And I was so anxious. And I remember I was obsessed with this show. It was right around Christmas. Um, The show, it was called Call the Midwife. (laughs) What? What channel was that on? I don't know. Like 
like the, Brit- the weirdest the channel. British PBS. <laughs> <laughs> but I was obsessed. I'd watch I would watch show after show as I laid on the couch and when Sarah gets into a show, she goes Yeah. I don't watch a lot deep. of TV, but no. if I'm gonna do something, I'm gonna do it. So it was like I had to go to my appointment that day, and it was almost at 38 weeks, and I was like, you know what? I'm done. I am done. If my blood pressure is a little high, maybe they'll induce me. Like, I'm just done. So I took a light little walk on the beach, (laughs) picked up a Coca-Cola on the way to the OB, (laughs) took the stairs. (laughs) Everything she could do. Walked in. They took one look at my heart, my heart rate, whatever that's called, my blood pressure. And they were like, ma'am, you need to go to the hospital. Took a lap around Arby's, got a snack, went in. Had my epidural, and my midwife, who I love, Jean Blake, who is no longer a midwife, she is competitive quite like myself, and I remember her looking at the clock, and she was like, it's 1140. Are you going to have this baby today? And I was like, oh, yeah. And Waylon was born at 1144, and when they put him on my chest, it was like, literally, it was the most redemptive feeling I've ever felt in my life. It was like all of the tension in my body left. Like, I've never felt that really relieved about anything. Um, and so it was just amazing. And then we rolled into Christmas and it was like, I mean, Magical. I thought John, I literally thought John had slipped into some like MDMA or something. <laughs> I'd never seen, he was like giddy. He was like doing house projects and like grilling and like he, we were just so, we had been so sad for so long. And I think, you know, grief can get stuck in your tissue and sadness. And like, we just had to get to the other side of this and we did. And we were like, in heaven. We were in heaven. Um, so that was amazing. The twins birth story. And now you have twins. Was not so amazing, but they, they, I had to do a C-section again because of blood pressure and it was very traumatizing. My blood pressure was really, really, really high with them. And I remember walking into the, I had Grace and Waylon both vaginally and walking into the C-section room because they were preemies, there were two teams of doctors. And so I had such post-traumatic stress just because when Grace was born, the whole hospital went code and there was all these teams of doctors in there. And so I, you walk into the, the operating room by yourself and they had to administer my epidural. And I remember they're like talking to each other, like her blood pressure is rising. And I was like literally about to have a panic attack. Um, and then after they gave me the epidural, I, so for those of you who haven't had a C-section, they put up a sheet. Yeah, this part is what really gets yeah, me. Yeah, they put up a sheet. You can turn this off if you want, but I'm not going to get graphic. But they put a sheet up so that your husband or if you want your partner to come in or whatever can stand by your shoulder. But with the epidural they do for a C-section, it goes all the way up to your chest. So I couldn't feel myself breathing. So I was really panicking. And the anesthesiologist was awesome. He was like, I want you to watch that monitor. He's like, you see, I'm watching you breathe. Every time you breathe, the line lifts and goes up and down. So it was just really comforting. However, his nurse anesthetist, I think is how you say it, was on her break (laughs) And so he had to pull someone from another floor. Okay, so literally I have John on one shoulder and this amazing doctor. And then on the other, I have a nurse who doesn't do C-sections. I'm sure she's a lovely human. She's peeking over the sheet (laughs) and she's saying... John and I are like, what the fuck? She's literally like, holy moly, it looks like an or- an, an episode of ER in here. Like as they're pulling my organs out and pulling babies out. And I mean, like literally she's like. And don't they put them like, on the table you next gotta to you? Look, you gotta look, you gotta see this. And I mean, John and I are like, we were like eyes locked. And I was like, this bitch has to go. <laughs> I, like, I am about to I would have lost it. So Della came out first. She was baby A. 
And she was really, 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 really tiny. She was like four pounds. And she's the one that ended up having to be in the level two nursery for like four or five weeks. And so I got to see her, but they had to take her away right away. And then Van came out and they got him cleaned up and breathing and they brought him to the room with me. But then they noticed that his, he wasn't breathing. So they had to take him to the level two. So then like coming off all the drugs, I was like a total, I was so emotional. I, I like refer to it as like Claire Danes crying. Like they, I had to lay flat on this like gurney so they could wheel me into the level two nursery to see the babies. And I could not control myself. I was like, John was like, it's okay. You got to get it together. I was like (laughs) sobbing. He was like, they're okay. Everything's okay. But you're just so emotional. And it just, you know, wasn't exactly the ideal, ideal situation. However, everyone is good. Everyone is home. Everyone's alive. And you know, I did the best I knew how to do then. Would I do things differently? Maybe, maybe not. But everyone's here, and that's the true story. (laughs) And they're all crazy. And and yeah, they are freaking nuts. (laughs) Yeah. Do you feel responsible to share on social media? Like, is it, do you wake up and you're like, I must do this every day. I must share a certain amount of stories so people can relate to me. Or do you enjoy it? Do you feel like it's an option? Do you feel like it's not an option? Um, I definitely don't feel like I have to. No, I, you're into I th- it. I think that I really think I'm funny. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think... It's I your just, own show that you get to produce. And that's the thing, you guys, is like, there are a few screws loose. <laughs> and I love a good giggle. And like, I, I walk through life laughing. And and like, like just the other day, uh, Carter was like... Um, you should go, she like got these beautiful lilies and like I posted this Insta story, like Carter's the type of person, Carter's like a, like a beautiful, I don't know, like just a beautiful angel. And she like walks into Whole Foods and they're like throwing lilies at her and she's like catching them and they're like, take them for free. (laughs) (laughs) And I walk in and they're like, that'll be $50. I was was like, like, you have to go to Whole Foods. The lilies are free. I walked into her house. I was like, oh my God, these lilies, they're gorgeous. She's like, they're free. I was like, I was like, of course they're $50. Like I was just laughing. So, (laughs) you know, I just, no, I definitely don't feel like I have to. Um, Some of my posts get a lot or like, I don't, put as much sometimes I feel like putting a lot of stuff in my feed sometimes I don't some of my shit gets like no likes and some it's weird some gets a lot but when I post really real stuff that gets a lot of likes I lose a lot of followers too Mm -hmm. um just I just see that number like go down which I don't really care but um I love I think the insta story is fun if you're one of my close friends you get some treats. Um, there's a select few. Um, and it's not that I don't want everyone to be a close friend. It's just, I don't know if you'll want to be my yeah, friend you, after. You might not. <laughs> my PR person, Carter, is like, You'll lose. You're I'm gonna, like, let me see that list. She's Sarah. like, You're going to have to take that one off and that one off. And that girl's judging you. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, no, I definitely don't feel pressure. I do it because I like it. And I think, especially right now in the world that we're living in, um, it is a good way to connect. If I fo- if I'm following someone and every time I look at their feed, I want to like talk bad about them, that's on me. And so it's probably best for me as like to unfollow that person because um, that's not really serving me and that's not fair to them. So, you know, be mindful what you're looking at. Yep. All right. But follow me at Sarah Lives Please. Yoga. <laughs> and follow this podcast too while, while you're following. And at the and work, at the CHS. work CHS. <laughs> And you can follow me if you want. <laughs> <laughs> at Cardi Wheels. She's pretty funny too. And if you want to follow our podcast yeah. producer, Lindsay, it's LMC Sound System. But you know, we don't care if you follow no, us. No, it's fine. Whatever. <laughs> All right. What is your all-time favorite book? 
Sarah used to read a lot, and I, she loves to go back to this. Listen, listen to me. I have made a pact with myself. I'm going to read a chapter a day, and so I have all these great books. Well, this this just started this week. I had not. I haven't. I used to read easy three books a month. Easy, not little books like books. I love to read, and now with the twin, my ADD is bananas, especially with the twins. I just don't have the attention span. And also I'm sure my fast paced life inter social media does not help. Everything is so fleeting fast. And I felt like I was like getting dumber. I feel this way all the time. E-R. Er. Dumber. Um, <laughs> so dumber. Dumber. <laughs> <laughs> One marble up there. So I said to myself, Sarah, you need to start reading. And I wasn't going to make myself even read Something that though I thought it was interesting, like that was, I had to think a lot about. So I picked some beach novel. So I'm reading some silly novel and I'm super into it. Um, and my favorite, I think the book that changed my life, I re- two books, I, Eat, Pray, Love is so cliche. So I read Eat, Pray, Love on my first honeymoon, which my, it was funny, this girl I was friends with at the time, she bought it after and her mom's like, oh, it was like before it was famous. And she's like, Oh, that's a cool book. How did you know about that? And she's like, Oh, Sarah told me about it short in her honeymoon. And her mom was like, really? Um, and if you guys don't know the book, it's all about Elizabeth Gilbert. She goes through a divorce and then a breakup and she literally travels and finds herself. And it was one of her first big novels. Um, Julia Roberts did the movie, which of course I love too, cause I'm a sucker for rom-coms. But, um, it, it, for me was the, the writing Elizabeth Gilbert is a beautiful writer and she, I just really liked how real it was and I felt like I was on this journey and it it made me realize that like I didn't have to live in this little bubble or um do things a certain way to please other people that I could actually like live a life that was a little bit out of a box and still and be happy and productive and really celebrated and live big and that you have some wins, you have some losses, you eat some pasta, you pray, you know, you do all the things mm-hmm. and I just thought it was cool. It just really opened up my eyes to a way that I wanted to live my own life. So eat, pray, love. Love, eat, pray, love. And then, of course, um, Carry On Warrior. I read that when it very first came out. I'd say that was seven... How old's Waylon? That was seven years ago. Um, and it was the first time that was when... That was the Glennon's first book. I, I When she used to write, um, she had a blog called... I think... It, hold on. I think I read... She did have a blog, but she also used to write a lot for Huffington Post. And I remember reading entries of hers before she wrote a book. And I just really appreciate her her honesty. She was married to a man at the time. She's now married to a woman. Not that that changes anything, but that's how far back I um, when I start, first started following her. Um, and the book Eat, Pray, Love, what I really liked is she said one thing in there, and I've read it in class before. I've probably shared it on the podcast, but she said she had found her thing, and that was openness, and that it made her feel better about herself to not show the bits and pieces of her that people liked mm-hmm. or to make people feel jealous, but to share everything. And I've kind of taken that on like as a motto, and it's not for everybody. And those people aren't in my field. Those people won't be following me on Instagram. They won't be in my room. They won't that's be okay. my friends. And that's okay. Yeah, totally. Um so I think like just fully embracing all of our parts, yep. it really is freeing to not be like, I keep this in the closet because it's shameful. I show this to people because they're going to like me. Like, this is who I am. Like, we get one shot at it, right? So everywhere you go, there you are. Hashtag. Yep. <laughs> what have you learned the most about yourself in the last year? Um, that I am actually a good business person. 
You are. Thank you. That I really used to not give myself credit for that because I would just be like, oh, I'm just like kitchen party, front of the house, make everybody laugh, teach big classes. But I do things a different way. I'm not the most organized person in the world. I know that about myself. And that is why I have people like Carter and people like Becca who do a lot of the back end stuff that I'm not great at. I am good at, you know, organizing a staff and making people feel heard. And I think that's a, that is such a big part of my business is, um, Leadership. Leadership. Absolutely. Yes. Leadership is a good word. I really, really do believe my leadership has grown so much in a year. I used to be so fearful of how much everyone was, make sure everyone was happy. Everyone liked me and I didn't ruffle any feathers because God forbid someone left and said something bad about me. You know I mean? Fuck it. People are talking shit about you all the time, whether you think they are or not. Exactly. And if you're up to big things, especially, I remember reading this quote that Hope Solo, who she plays for the women's soccer team, or she used to, I don't know if she still does, but she said, um, if everyone likes it, you're not doing it right. Very true. So, and I think as a leader, you needed to also gain respect from everyone. And if you're always tiptoeing, like making sure everyone likes you, they're not going to respect you. Because I, and personally, like, I don't want a leader like that. No. You know? You want a strong. Yeah. Someone but, who stands up for what they believe in and what the movement is. And if you're in, you're in. And if you're not, that's okay as well. So somebody asked for advice on opening your own studio, which kind of segues perfectly with the last question. Um, do you have any advice? You And like Sarah just touched on, you do things very differently. But uh, <laughs> Carter's had to come to to love me. But it But it works. And so do you have any advice for... The people out there that might be opening their own studio, please don't open anything like ours and compete with us. But <laughs> um, here's the here is my, you know my 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 two cents, ten cents, whatever it is. Here's my two here's, cents. Here's my two cents, folks. Here's here's the money shot. If you do not love this industry, if you do not love the actual fitness yourself, do not open a studio. This is not a business. I don't, I really believe that. And, and I'm sure someone listening, I, I hope, I, I hope I don't offend someone, but this, I believe at the bottom of my heart, I, you have to be all in, right? Like you would never want someone to be your chef that hated food. Like that would just be weird. It'd be like, it would be so manufactured cardboard, like to the next, to the next. And this business, you have to live it. Like I still, like I am constantly practicing new class ideas. I am constantly in other people's rooms. I'm, I think that the, the being in the room is of equal importance to me being behind a computer. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that is my best advice to you. Like it's not an easy business. There is a lot of competition. Um, boutique fitness is a billion dollar industry and it is not slowing down, especially right now. So do I think it's, it's a good time for people to get in on it? Hell yeah, go for it. Um, know that you work a lot more than you get paid. (laughs) And that is partly why you have to love it because you don't want to start being resentful of it. A lot of people start this as a passion and then they're like, God, I fucking hate that now. Right. And, um, I don't think that that's, that's definitely not sustainable. I've been doing, I've been in ownership of a business for almost 11 years. Um, and I've been in this business for like 17 years and it's changed a lot. So my best advice is first of all, hire people that love you, that believe in you and respect them fully. Do not micromanage them. Um, if you feel like something's off, I've rode this one out a little too long and I've learned this this year as well. If you feel like something's off with someone and you're on your team, it's best for the both of you to have that conversation and possibly like part ways. That's okay. Um, 
You have to do things based on what you believe and also on things that make sense. So I'll just give one more little piece. I don't want to sell the whole thing, but like, if you're really good at one thing, do that one thing. Don't try to do a hundred different things because I think that's when things get really confusing. And that's what we call like yoga drunk driving. Like when you are a hundred million different places and you're like this and this and this, and then everything is like, meh, like be awesome at one thing and let some, let other people do other things. Very good advice. Thanks, Carter. <laughs> okay. What is your most embarrassing story? <laughs> I mean, it's like how many can happen in a day, but I mean, one. I'm trying to think myself. I have so, okay, I know one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there we go. Okay, so I have a lot of embarrassing stories, but this is a goodie. And a lot of you know it. So it's not like, I mean, like here, I, I'm like, ever, I put everything out there. So after Christmas this year, I had fully enjoyed my holiday season. I had, oh my goodness. <laughs> I had ate, I had drank, <laughs> I had enjoyed pasta every day. I mean, I was literally like licking Della's cheeks, pasta off her, off her cheek. I mean, I had like taken it far. And Carter and I, we were, it was like the January thing. And we were like, all right, it's time to get fit. You know, like we got to like, I want to like, let's just work out, blah, blah. So before, so just pause there. Just have that, have that in, in the back of your brain. So sometimes I do like guerrilla style workouts where I'll just text a bunch of my clients. Everyone throws in 20 bucks. Um, sometimes I do them for free, but sometimes, you know, just to like little side hustle or whatever. So I had this big running text of like as many people as you can put on a text. I don't know, 20 people. Yeah. Something crazy. Yes. And on this text, mostly women, but there was also one of my clients who is a male um, and one of my neighbors. <laughs> who, who is also a male. Who is also a male. <laughs> So I proceed to be texting with them to say, hey, so we're going to do this little grill style workout, da, da, da. Now I have this other text going with Carter where we're like joking on ourselves and I am literally, y'all, I couldn't, I think this, this is a testament to how far I've come to when I was very obsessed with the scale and the, the number and all that stuff. I mean, I looked six months pregnant. I did. And I was laughing about it. I mean, I was like, I've just, I've really enjoyed myself. It's time to clean it up, whatever. So I take a shower. <laughs> I get out of the shower. I wrap my left arm around both of my breasts to cover my nipples. <laughs> no undergarments other than my left arm. I hold my phone up to John's mirror, <laughs> looking literally six months pregnant, snap a photo and send it to these 20 people. <laughs> I, <laughs> I was thought I was going to die. I was so, I was like, oh my God, 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 oh my God. I like called Carter. I sent the picture to her. She shows it to Foxy. They're both like dying. I'm like, what the fuck do I do? So <laughs> on this group text, I'm like, oh, sorry guys. That meant to go to Carter. I, um, I, I just took, oh some, I took some bad vitamins and... <laughs> Sometimes we send naked pictures to yeah. each other with our stomachs poked out. Yeah. Wait, it's not that weird. Vitamins. I hate vitamins. Damn. And I showed John and I was like, oh my God, John, I just sent this picture and this guy was on it and this guy went on it. And John's like, you just sent them the naked picture. And I was like, I don't think you are understanding. I look like pregnant. Like, Who cares who saw it? Nobody is saving this picture for a good time. Okay. Like, this is, I'm dying. So I guess we'll have to put the picture in the show notes so you can all see. <laughs> I still have it as a reminder of the most mortifying day of my life. You are welcome. That was a good one. Yeah. 
And not everyone knew that story. <laughs> I mean, that was pretty bad. Pretty I have bad. another funny one, but it's kind of gross. So, okay. well, what is it? <laughs> so it was my birthday a long time ago because John and I have been together a really long. So before we got engaged. So gosh, this must have been eleven or twelve years ago because it'll be our ten year anniversary this September. So it was my birthday, and I had gone out with my girlfriends a few night that ni- the night before, um, just to have a girl celebration because John was taking me up to his mountain house near Asheville that weekend. And so we the whole drive up, I was like, I you know I had gone out, I wasn't feeling that great. I um, God, we might have even stopped and eaten Wendy's, which is Carter knows is my favorite food. Mm-hmm. And we get to this, he's like, I want to take you on a hike before we get there, and. <laughs> So we start hiking deep into the woods. It should be romantic and beautiful. And all of a sudden, the Wendy's hits my stomach. And I'm like, everywhere I go, there I am, truly. And I'm like, oh my God. And I'm like, like, I'm not like engaged to this guy. This is like my boyfriend, okay? And I'm like, fuck, 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 fuck. And I was like, what do I do? I was like, John, I have to tell you something. I was like, I think I'm going to shoot my pants. He's like, he was like, I was like, so I'm going to need you to walk away. (laughs) I can't walk. So you're going to have to walk away. I was like, I need you to walk away. And he gets like 50 yards away. He looks at me and it really is sweet. He was like, do you want to use my boxers to wipe? (laughs) And I was like, "Uh, I can marry you. (laughs) So that is another embarrassing moment that I knew. That's how I knew I was going to marry John. So good, good guy. So there we are. There we are. So anyway. Well, our last question, which you kind of just shared, is what is your guilty pleasure? And I mean, you might have others, but going to Wendy's after you teach Saturday morning class. So bad, you guys. She she like comes in Saturday morning, teaches a bomb class. We're not talking about like a 2 p.m. Wendy's ride. We're talking like, about. I'm like Wendy's is open. They open at ten. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it. I, I'm, it's probably two Saturdays a month. I mean, I just I go. I'm like, I'm gonna get my kids a naughty treat, and then literally like Burger. she's like, Can I help you? I'm like, I'll have a number seven. <laughs> like, I love it. I love their cheeseburgers and their fries, and then I'm like, and a Coke Zero. <laughs> you know, just to make sure. Make sure you feel yeah. good about yourself, right? Um. Yeah, I really it's I don't know why. It's absolutely disgusting. I I She just, knows it's not good for her health. No, I know. It's really it is a guilty pleasure. I also am a big fan of gummy snacks of all kinds. Um so I think those both of those are guilty pleasures for sure. For sure. There's a million others, but those are the ones I'm gonna share. Well, that concludes our all of our questions, and I think that people got a very good <laughs> insight into what um, a, a freak you are. I know. <laughs> it's true. I really hope you guys enjoy this, and... Maybe we'll do it again soon. If maybe, we, uh, maybe our business won't close. Great. <laughs> Praying. Um, well, thank you, Carter. Thank you. You did a great job. And thank you for being open, honest, and for sharing that poop story. Yep. That's a winner, you guys. Yeah, that's you a good one. You know if a man's going to give you his boxers, he, he is, is in it for the damn fucking long haul. Yep. So. Love you, John. All right. Love you guys. Bye. <laughs>